Look at what the Lord has to say here. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 21. Produce your cause, saith the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, saith the king of Jacob. Let them bring them forth and show us what shall happen. Let them show the former things, what they shall be, what they be, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them, or declare us things for to come. Show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that ye are God's. What he's saying there is simply this. He's saying, if you're a God, then you should be able to tell me what's going to happen before it happens. That's what the Lord is saying right there. That we may know that ye are God's. Yea, do good or do evil. That we may be dismayed and behold it together. But behold, verse 24, ye are of nothing, and your work of naught, an abomination is he that chooseth you. Look at chapter 42, Isaiah chapter 42, look at verse 8. Look at Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8. I encourage you to read along with me. I'm showing you a great thing that the Lord's trying to say here. Look at ch- chapter 8, verse, uh, chapter, excuse me, chapter 42, chapter 42, verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. The Lord God has shown you in these scriptures the simple truth that He's shown you that He's God by showing you what's going to take place before it takes place. That's what He's doing. Now, stay with me here. Turn to Isaiah 46. Turn to Isaiah 46. I'm showing you a theme here. Look at Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9. I'm showing you a theme going on here. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9. This is the Lord over and over again. He's saying the same thing over and over again. Verse 9. Remember the former things of old. For I am God. And there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. What's the Lord saying there? He's saying, Hey, I'm telling you what's going to happen before it happens. I'm God, there's nobody else like me, and if you're a God, you'll be able to do what I do, but nobody can do it. That's how you know I'm God. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. Now look at, look at uh, Isaiah 48, the last set of verses. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 3. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 3. I have declared the former things from the beginning. And they went forth out of my mouth and I showed them. I did them suddenly and they came to pass. Because I knew, why did he do that? Because I knew that thou art obstinate, and thy neck is an iron sinew, and thy brow brass. He says you're thick-headed. You're stubborn-headed. You don't get it. (laughs) You want to believe what you want to believe. So what I do is, instead of just believing that I'm God and looking around and saying, hey, there's a universe, there must be a God. He says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write something down. I'm going to speak it. It's going to be written down. And when it comes to pass, you'll know, hey, God said it. It came true. He must be God. Verse 5, I have even from the beginning declared it unto thee. Before it came to pass, I showed it thee. Lest thou shouldest say, mine idol hath done them, 
And my engraven image and my molten image hath commanded them. God says, I'm doing all this so you can't say, see this little idol I have set up, this little statue I've set up? It's my God. It's what's bringing this to pass. It's what God says, no, that's why I wrote it down. That's why it's in a book. That's why I said it. So when you can read it, and then when it comes to pass, you can say, the only one that said that was going to happen is God. I just give you one, two, three, four sets of scriptures. And what those four sets of scriptures, they basically say is, God has proven his deity to you through One simple thing, prophecy. Prophecy. How God proves He's God is prophecy. And I'm going to preach this morning on prophecy and how the prophecy proves the Bible to be God's Word. I'm going to preach that this morning. That's what separates your book from all these other fake books out there. Be it the Quran, be it the teachings of Buddha, whatever book you want to pick up, any kind of religious literature. What separates the Bible from all these religious literatures? And they always say, well, the Muslims have their book and the Buddhists, they have a book and they have the... No, what separates us, and it's a simple word, is prophecy. <laughs> it's that this book is telling you what takes place before it takes place. That's what makes this book amazing. That's what makes it amazing. And the Quran has no prophecy in it. The only little bit of prophecy it tries to claim is it got a, a, a Muhammad stole it from Moses. Guys, you've got to get this. That's what you hear me say all the time. This book is amazing. This book is amazing. I'm not just saying that because I'm just not wasting my breath. I'm saying it because of the prophecies in this book. And if you were in Sunday school this morning, you would have saw some of that taking place before your very eyes. It kind of gave you goosebumps. You know, uh, there was a Turkish colonel, and he come across this guy named Dr. Hamlin, and he was in Constantinople, and he was talking to him, and he said he didn't believe the Word of God, and that doctor said, well, he asked this Turkish colonel, he says, you ever been to Babylon? And the Turkish colonel, he said, yeah, it's kind of strange. I have been in Babylon, and it's a desert land, but there's a lot of good game there, and I went hunting there. So I took these sheiks and these Arabian sheiks, and they took me over there, and we were, we were doing some game hunting. And he said, when it got to be nightfall, I was ready to stay the night. And they said, no, 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 no. And they picked up their tents, and they said, they said let's, let's go, let's leave. And he said, no, no, let's stay. I want to stay here. we got some more hunting to do. He goes, we're not spending the night here in Babylon. The Arabians said, we're not, we're not pitching our tent. We're not having anything to do with this. And the Turkish colonel said it was the strangest thing. And I said, why won't you stay? And the, and the Arabians said, there's ghouls and spirits that come out of these places here at night, and we're scared of them. We're not going to stay here. So that Dr. Hamlin said, well, that's interesting. Have you ever seen Isaiah 13? Turn to Isaiah 13, guys. I'll show you what he's about. I'll tell you what this Dr. Hamlin showed this Turkish colonel that had been in Babylon and seen that the Arabians would not pitch their tents. So the Turkish colonel was shown Isaiah chapter 13, verse 19. Look at Isaiah 13, 19. Isaiah chapter 13, verse... See, all this is out of the book of Isaiah. We haven't even got started. This is all just in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 19. And this is God's prophecy on Babylon. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldea's excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. In other words, it'll be nothing. It's a wasteland. Look at verse 20. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation, neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there. Neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. What did that t- colonel tell that Turkish colonel tell that doctor? The Arabians wouldn't pinch the tents. The doctor turned and said, that's exactly what God, God's word said. 
And that Kirk, Turkish colonel, to try to defend, he said, well, well, he goes, well, that's just history. See, what's written down there is history. That's telling you what, what, the, what the history of that place is. And, and Dr. Hamlin said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. When that right there was written, Babylon was in its glory. Babylon's one of the seven wonders of the world when that was written. Nobody could even imagine that it would take place as what took place today, which was prophesied that the Arabian wouldn't even pitch a tent there. That Turkish colonel just turned around and walked away, and he never heard another thing. You can't handle the truth. See, he didn't want the truth. He wanted to keep believing that the Bible wasn't real. But when you get to looking at the Bible and get to studying the Bible, there's something that becomes very evident. It's very, very scary how real this thing is. And the prophecy. So this morning, to the best of my ability, just a few, I'm going to show you some prophecies in the Bible to me prove that the Bible is God's Word. Now, these, there's thousands of prophecies in the Bible. And a lot of them had to do from Scripture to Scripture that were prophesied 700 years before Christ. And, man, you could be here all night long, and there's a, it's amazing. But see, an atheist, a skeptic, they're not going to take that. See, they're going to take the Bible and say, well, that's within the Bible. And he could have wrote that knowing that was taking place. They always have an excuse. They always, they're just deniers. Especially when it comes to the book of Daniel. They take a book of Daniel, and they say, oh, that had to have been written, at the, that had to have been written way ahead of things. There's no way they could have known that about Alexander the Great. There's no way they could. So they just try to do away with it. So the scriptures I'm showing you this morning, I hope to, to you, if you're a skeptic or if you're an atheist, there's no way you can answer these because these are scriptures I'm going to show you that are taking place right here in your, before your very eyes in the year 2017. So let's start with the first one in Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66, I'm going to show, this is the first one I'm going to show you. I've already shown you one, but let's, let's look at another one. Isaiah 66, verse 8. What's the testimony of Jesus Christ? According to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. The Bible says the testimony of Jesus Christ is simply this, the spirit of prophecy. The Bible's own words about Jesus Christ is simply this. His testimony is this, the spirit of prophecy. And he prophesied, and man, did it all come to pass. That's what scares me about the Lord. He sees it. He sees it coming to pass. Now, these here I'm showing you, you don't need to know the Bible to know these are coming to pass without the Bible. Okay, Isaiah 66, verse 8. Look at this verse. Who hath heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. That's a prophecy of a nation being born at once in one day. Now when did that take place? It never has took place in the history of man that we know of. It's ever took place except for one time. In Zion with a nation called Israel. In 1948, God bless Harry Truman. God bless Harry Truman. Because President Roosevelt did not want Israel to have a nation. He did not want them to be a nation. Because the Arabians had the OIL. They had the oil. And if we had another war, they had the oil. And we needed the oil from them. He didn't want to upset the Arabians. He said, there's no way I'm ever going to make a nation. There's no way Israel, Israel will ever be a nation. You know what happened to old President Roosevelt? <laughs> Died of a heart attack. 
And this lowly old man who was the vice president at the time named Harry S. Truman, he stood up and he took over for President Roosevelt when he had his heart attack. What's the first thing Harry Truman did? He took that nuclear bomb and he went, Hiroshima. And the World War II went, ended like that, didn't it? It was over. The next thing Harry Truman said is, I want the people of Israel, because he had some good Jewish friends, I want them to have a homeland, I want them to go back to Israel and have a place to go. Because when Hitler had took all Israel and all the Jews and had drove them out and killed them and murdered them and massacred them by the millions, they had nowhere to go. They were literally living on boats out in the sea. Nobody would take them. That includes us, America. And Harry Truman said, they need a place to go. And all his councilmen, all the people that was his advisor says, Mr. Truman, you can't do this. You cannot make a, you can't go into the United Nations and make them a nation. You cannot do it. It'll upset all the Arabians. They, they have all the oil and Russia will come in and they'll take, oh, you can't do this, Mr. Truman. And Mr. Truman said, I'm not doing this for any kind of policy. I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do. They will be a nation. You will vote. And guess what happened? They voted and in one day Israel became a nation in 1948. Just like the prophecy says in Isaiah 66, 8. And one day they were a nation voted in. What else do you know about Harry S. Truman? That same year, he was supposed to lose. 36% popularity. He had probably as bad as Trump does right now. Oh, he's supposed to lose and they're going to run the election. And in 1948, at the end of 1948, Dewey was supposed to win. It was so obvious that Dewey was supposed to win that they printed out the Chicago Tribune, printed out, remember the newspaper? Printed out, Dewey beats Truman, Dewey beats Truman. Guess what happened? God had another idea. Truman Truman beat Dewey. And the famous picture of Truman with a big old smile holding up up that paper that said, Dewey beats Truman because he won the election. Miraculous. Not when you're talking about God. That man had took God's side with God's people. And God said, I'm going to take care of that man. When everybody thought he should lose, God says, "Ah, you're going to win. You're a winner because you're on my side. Israel's side, there's your prophecy right there. Right there, Isaiah 66, 8. Let's look at another one of these, Zechariah chapter 12. Now, if if you know the book of Matthew, go to the book of Matthew, turn left. Keep on turning left to the, to the Old Testament and you'll find Zechariah. And you'll find Zechariah chapter 12, verse 2. See, they make fun of us Bible believers for prophecy. They make fun of us for believing this stuff. I believe every word of it. I believe every word of my Bible. I believe my Bible so much that the front of my Bible says Keegan Hall and I believe that too. This Bible's true. And the more I've studied it for 20-something years, the more amazing it becomes. Look at Zechariah chapter 12. We're going to be at verse 2. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 2. You know, years ago, Isaac Newton, he's one of us, by the way. Isaac Newton, the one that the apple dropped on his head, boop, and he started thinking about gravity. And he started understanding how the law of gravity works. Is that how it happened that an apple dropped on his head? I know that from cartoons. Is that how it really happened? Everybody's going, okay, well, let's take it for truth. <laughs> We, what, the truth is, amen, that he did, he did discover gravity. Nobody argues that. Well, one of the things that Isaac Newton did is he studied his Bible. 
He was a Bible believer. And he was studying in Daniel chapter 12. And he was studying Daniel chapter 12. And it says in the end times that people shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. So Isaac Newton, you know what he said? He said, there's going to come a time, because he believed the Bible just like me and you believe the Bible. He said, there's going to come a time. This is in 1700, by the way. In 1700, he said, there's going to be a time where man will be able, be able to go as fast and travel as fast as, hold it, y'all guys hold it. He'll be able to travel as fast as 50 miles an hour. Whew. This is the time of horses and carriages. They couldn't believe he would make such a stupid statement. In 1700, at that time, in Isaac Newton's time, there was a man named Voltaire. Boo, yes, Voltaire, he's the... He's the enemy. He hated the Bible. He hated God. He made fun of Isaac Newton. He made fun of all these people. And this is what Voltaire said. Voltaire wrote down about Isaac Newton when Isaac Newton said this. He said, uh, now look at, at, at the mighty mind of Newton who discovered gravitation. When he began to study the book called the Bible, it seems in order to credit its fabulous nonsense, he believed that the knowledge of mankind will be so increased that we should be able to travel 50 miles an hour. The poor dotard. Let me translate that. He called him an idiot. Voltaire called Newton an idiot. Now y'all are living in 2017. Who's the idiot, Voltaire? I think I'll take Isaac Newton. Yeah, he had it right. He just didn't have it right enough. Guys, you, you just believe this book. When you believe every word written in this book, they can never come back and laugh at you. Because in, in the end, you will be proved right. Don't you worry about it. Look at Zechariah chapter 12, verse 2. Praise God for Isaac Newton. Praise God for him. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, when they shall be in the siege, about, siege both against Judea and against Jerusalem. Did that come to pass? Yeah, it did. In the Six-Day War, 1967, they went up against Jerusalem, and man, that, the Jews whipped them. It's supposed to be an impossible way that they... But the Jews, thanks to God's hand, in six days, they whipped them back. God, miraculous victory. But look at verse 3. And in that day, will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people? All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. That prophecy says right there that Jerusalem is going to be a burdensome stone in that day. Now, is that prophecy true? Oh, yes. Amen, it is true. Let, let me ask you. We could, I could bring up, it don't matter if I brought up Obama. It don't matter if I brought up John Kerry or Bush or Clinton or Reagan. or You can line them up here and say, is Jerusalem a burdensome stone and every answer would be, yes. Yes, they are. Jerusalem is a burdensome stone. Because the Arabians want to destroy Jerusalem. They want to get rid of it. And every president, including Obama, going all the way back to Bush and Clinton, they get in office and their main thing is, I'm going to get some peace in the Middle East. And it never takes place, does it? That's one of the things that Obama said he regretted at the end of his presidency. I got Obamacare shoved down their throats. I got all the, the homosexual rights where I wanted it. I got it all like I wanted it. But the one thing that couldn't get done was peace in the Middle East. I couldn't get Jerusalem with some peace. It's a burdensome stone is what his words basically were. 
The Bible said it would be. Do you understand that this was written about 2,500 years ago? Can you imagine me getting up here and say, uh, there'll come a time where Houston will be a burdensome stone to everybody in the world. <laughs> will Houston even be around in 50 years, 100 years? 2,000 years ago, 500, 2,500 years ago, somebody wrote down, Zechariah said that Jerusalem would be a burdensome stone to all people. There it is in your book. You can't deny it. Is it a burdensome stone? Amen. It is. Believe it or not, Ripley's. <laughs> Genesis chapter 16. Let's go to another one. Genesis chapter 16. I'll show you another one of these. We'll get it, we'll get it, these will get a little bit better, I think. This is just a taste of it. This is just a taste of it, guys. I'm just giving you a little taste of it. Genesis chapter 16, verse 11. Let's go to another one. These verses I'm showing you, they're proving that God is God because God had this stuff written down. See, these Zechariah is getting this from God. God has given this to Zechariah, and Zechariah is writing it down. The Holy Ghost is moving Zechariah to write this stuff down. He writes it down. A lot of times, they don't even know what they're writing down. God's just telling them, write this down. And then 2,000 years later, 2,500 years later, there it is, standing true. Standing true. This Bible's ahead of us. This Bible's way ahead of the newspaper, way ahead of CNN, way ahead of Fox News, way ahead of anybody you can think of. It's way ahead. You're, when you're studying this Bible, you're studying something better than a newspaper. Amen. Amen. Or Facebook. Amen. Or any other nonsense you might be looking at on your phone or on the TV. Look at Genesis chapter 16. Look at verse 11. Now, mind you, this was written 3,800 years ago. Can you comprehend that number I just gave you? 3,800 years ago, about when this took place. Now, look what it says here in verse 11. And the angels of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child. And shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. Ishmael. Ishmael. Why is it so special about Ishmael? Well, if you know anything about the Muslims, if you know anything about Muhammad, Muhammad claimed to be a direct descendant of Ishmael. So the Muslims, through Muhammad, they claim a descendant through Ishmael, one of the sons of Abraham. That's why they claim they've got the right to Jerusalem and the land of Israel because they claim their lineage to Abraham through Ishmael. The Jew claims it through Isaac. That's how they claim it, through Jacob, through Isaac, through all that lineage. That's how they claim it. But God says in the Bible, nope, it doesn't go through Ishmael. It's going to go through Isaac and Jacob. That's how they got the promise of the land. But notice it says Ishmael, and y'all know how the Muslims are now, y'all now understand that, Is, that Muhammad and the Muslims, they claim their lineage through Ishmael. Okay, everybody understands that, right? Before we move on. Y'all got that? If you don't understand it, Google it. Google Muhammad, Google Ishmael. They claim, they get their, that Muhammad claimed, I think he claimed he was a 72nd descendant of Ishmael. Now look at the very next verse. Here's God and he's going to prophesy what Ishmael's people are going to be like. Number 12. And he will be a wild man. I got a question for you this morning. Do you think the Muslims are a little wild? Boom! Amen, amen, amen! Man, something happens to them. They got their, their guns. They're shooting up in the air. A little wild. They're all wild. He will be a wild man. Look at this. His hand will be against every man. Hmm, does that sound like a Muslim to you? 
Amen, it does. He's blown up France. He's blown up America. He's blown up England. He's blown up uh, Germany. He's, every, he's wild. He's wild. And he's, his hand is against every... Look at this. His hand, is against, his hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. Is everybody after the Muslim? Practically everybody's after the Muslim. Because they're after him. They're blowing up France. France is after them. Blowing up America. America's after them. ISIS, all that stuff. This is all based on prophecy out of Genesis 16. And look, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Where does the Muslims mainly dwell? All around Israel. All in the same area. And guess who's brothers? The Jew and the Muslim and the Arabian, they're all brothers. The Jew traces it back to Isaac. The Muslims trace it back, Abraham, through Abraham, back to Ishmael. They're all brothers. They're all kinfolk living around each other. It's like kinfolk, Hatfield and McCoys. That's exactly what the Bible said would take place. That's it. That's the prophecy on Ishmael. That's, a, that's not an Irish prophecy. That's not a prophecy about the Chinese or the Japanese or anybody else you can think of. That's a prophecy on Ishmael. And that's exactly what's taking place in 2017. Okay, let's get a little deeper into this. Let's look at Revelation 6. We're going to finish up in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 6. I'm showing you some prophecy that I think proves God's word is God's word. That proves the Bible is the word of God. If you don't believe in God and you don't want to believe in the Bible, there's practically nothing I can show you that's going to prove it to you. Your heart is hard. And you're thick-headed. And you just don't want to get it. Look at Revelation 6, 6. This, uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 6. This is the four horsemen. Well, look at verse 5 to get the context. When he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and behold, and I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. There's a famine going on in the last days, brothers and sisters. That's what this prophecy is about. But it says at the end of verse 6, And see, look at the end of verse 6, Revelation 6, 6, And see, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Okay. 200 years ago, You'd pick, up a, you'd pick up a book, a commentary on the book of Revelation. They would study through this, and they would write down, O-I-L, that must mean medicine of some kind. Because 200 years ago, nobody understood the value of oil. They said, this must be some kind of medicine of some kind. Some kind of little medicine. You know those little oil droplets that people are real, they're doing nowadays where they're putting them and they're dropping oil on their tongue? and doing, They're thinking, That's some, it's something to do with that. Guys, we're living in 2017. And remember what I told you about the Bible being way ahead of us? Do you understand what O-I-L is? Yep. It's what everybody's fighting over. Yep. It's, what, it's keeping the Arabians driving around in Porsches and in Rolls Royces. When they, they have nothing but sand all over their country. Just sand and dirt and goats. But they drive around, why are they driving around Rolls Royces, Brother Keegan? Because of O-I-L. Hurt not the oil. That's the rich man. In the end times, the Antichrist is going to be around in Jerusalem. He's going to be in that area. And that's where the oil is at. And God says, I don't want you touching that. Hurt not the oil. That's not medicine. That's O, that's I, and that's L. 
You understand what the, you see. It's so hard to understand because you've had a Bible. Maybe you've read this a lot in your life, but you're not realizing this was written two thousand years ago. This isn't just written six. This wasn't written in sixteen eleven. They were translating that in 1611. They wrote this 2,000 years ago, guys. It's right there. O-I-L. <laughs> if they, even if you say, well, that's what the King James translators wrote it as, O-I-L. Well, that's even more amazing. That was 400 years ago. That's even more amazing. They translated it out as O-I-L. There it is right there. You know what Jesus Christ said in the end times whenever the Antichrist stands up in the temple? He says, you better pray your flight's not in the winter on the Sabbath. In the winter or on the Sabbath, you better pray your flight is not in the winter or Sabbath. See, a lot of y'all just read over that. Jesus said that 2,000 years ago. What's he doing talking about flight? Oh, he's just, he's talking about like a bird would fly off and try to go away quick. I, 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 know, I know what you're thinking. But he could have said, you better, better pray you're not running in the winter or the Sabbath. That's not what Jesus said. He said, you better pray your flight. Why would he say you better pray it's not in the Sabbath? Because in Jerusalem, the planes don't fly on the Sabbath in 2017. You can't get a flight out on the Sabbath in Jerusalem, in Israel. They shut everything down. It's the Sabbath. Jesus says when that takes place, you better pray it's not on the Sabbath. It's awfully quiet in here. That's amazing. I don't think y'all are getting, some of y'all might not be getting what I'm saying. And when he's saying there in Revelation 6, 6, hurt not the oil, he could have said anything else. It's not, that it's, it's not just that it's right and it's right on the money for 2017. It's that it could have been wrong in a million different ways. But it wasn't wrong in a million different ways. It was right on the money. Amen. Look at Revelation chapter 20. Man, I get excited about this stuff because this stuff is real. This is what makes me go out and preach on the streets. This is stuff that makes me stand up and say, Jesus Christ will save you. He saved me and he'll save you. And his blood will cleanse you. And you say, how can you be so sure of that, Brother Keenan? Because the Bible tells me so. And if you're a little bitty kid, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. From a little kid, I've been singing that, and I believe it. And now that I'm old enough and can have the power to study the Bible and really comprehend it, I know it's so. And I believe it. Look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, Jesus Christ has came back. He's whipped them all up in the battle of Armageddon. He's sitting on his throne. And here's the prophecy in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. It's a prophecy because it tells you what's going to take place in the end times. And I saw the thrones, it says, I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, look, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark upon their foreheads or in their heads, or in their hands, excuse me, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. That's a prophecy of there's some people that didn't take the mark of the beast that came through the tribulation period, and when they didn't take the mark of the beast, they had their heads cut off. They were beheaded for that. And now they're sitting on a throne, and they're reigning with Jesus Christ, and they're judging. What I want to point out with you is verse 4 is, it says, I saw the souls of them that were beheaded. Now, I st- I've been studying the book of Revelation since about 1995. That's, no, that's not a long time, but for me in my life, it's a long time. And in 1995, 96, 97, I'm teaching the book of Revelation in a Sunday school at Victory Baptist Church. 
And I remember sitting in my home and studying the book, and I was thinking, beheaded, beheaded, beheaded. Is it like, it's like the Antichrist is going to use a guillotine. You know, and that's how I taught it. I think I, rem- I literally remember telling them, it's like a guillotine set up, and he puts them in the guillotine. And I'm thinking like the 16, 1700s when Henry V or who, whatever king it was of France or England, whatever, didn't like you. Remember, they'd cut your head off, put you in the, and the guillotine, would come down and cut you. That's the way I'm thinking. Your head would fall down in a basket. That's what I thought in 1995, 96, 97. You know what? I'm living in 2017 now. And my Bible hasn't changed, but I've changed. My Bible hasn't changed, but I've seen the world change. Amen? So what's happening in 2017? Well, now we have the Internet. And now you can go on the Internet. And what are the Muslims doing nowadays? They grab people up. And what do they do to people they don't like? They cut their heads off. And if you're, if you're dumb enough to do it, you can go on the Internet and you can watch them cutting people's heads off. The Bible said 2,000 years ago, the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. And we know the Muslims are right in that area, right there with the Antichrist, right when all this is taking place. And the Bible is saying 2,000 years ago, yeah, and they're going to have their heads cut off. Why doesn't it say anything? Why, does, why, don't, why don't the Muslims just shoot somebody and kill them? Why don't the Muslims? No, they love to cut your head off. Americans don't do that. The Japanese right now are not doing that. That I know of, the Russians and the Chinese are not cutting anybody's heads off. Who are the only people cutting heads off? The Muslims. Descended from Ishmael. Right there. I'm going to show you one last one. Revelation 13. Revelation 13. This is the one I love. To, I love to show the guys in prison this one. When I run into a guy in prison and he's a skeptic, and, he, and I've had a guy in prison ask me this last time I was in prison ministry. He asked me, why do you believe God's word? And I say, prophecy. Prophecy. The spirit, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So if somebody asks you, why do you believe the word of God is the word of God? Why do you believe the Bible is God's word? How does God prove he's God? I'll say prophecy. See, God can't just show you. People won't, and especially atheists. And unbelievers, they say, I want God to just show up. And I want him to show himself to me. Well, for one thing, you're not comprehending God. God is glorious and holy. And if God unfiltered, God unsheathed, God showed up, you would disintegrate. His glory would blow you away. Your eyes couldn't handle it. It would be like an atomic bomb going off right next to you. The top of God, according to the Bible, is the sun. The sun's up there, amen, but very few of us are going to be able to go out there and look at it. Amen? We go like this. You can't look at it very long. God's glory is a million times brighter. So God did show up, though, and he showed up in the man of Jesus Christ. And he put his glory into the man, the son of God, Jesus Christ. And he walked on this earth for, three, for 33 years. His ministry was about three years. And he walked among us, and he showed and proved that he was God manifest in the flesh with the miracles he did, all the things he did. And they tried to disprove it and say, well, Jesus Christ was just a great magician. It wasn't just the things that Jesus did. 
For me personally, it's the things that Jesus said. Amen. Like, love your enemies. Forgive your enemies. The Bible says, according to the Word of God, it said that you should not commit adultery. And Jesus said, if you think about a woman and lust after her in your heart, you committed adultery with her already. See, those are things that only God would say. No man would say that. But things that Jesus said that I love so much is stuff like this. Thy sins are forgiven. He's hanging on the cross and a wretched, miserable sinner is hanging on the cross with him. And the sinner simply asks him, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus Christ hanging on the cross says, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That's the Jesus I love. Hanging on the cross, whipped, spit on, beat. He looks down and says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. See, it's the things that Jesus said that makes him so amazing to me. But in Revelation chapter 13, there's prophecies of this end time event. And it says in verse 15, Revelation 13, 15, that says about the, the Antichrist and the false prophet. He had power to give life unto the image of the beast. That the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. 200 years ago, 100 years ago, how's he going to make an image that can speak? That's that you're a daughter if you believe that. You're an idiot. You're a fool if you believe that there's an, you can make an image, an image that could speak. That's stupid. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was 100 years ago. That's uh, not so stupid nowadays, is it, my friend? Is it? No. Guys, you realize they're making robots that literally look like humans and that have their own artificial intelligence. You know what they're making them for? Sex brothels. That's what they're making them for. But they have these images that look and walk and look just like a woman. And the Bible said there's going to come a time when he has power to do that. The image of the beast shall both speak and cause... You've got to understand... You see, you're looking at it through 2017 eyes. You've got to look at it. This was written 2,000 years ago. That's amazing. Verse 16, and he causeth all, both, all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in the right hand or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom, let him hath understanding. Count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is 603 score and 6. That's 666. So 100 years ago, 200 years ago, they would say and speculate, how can a man... One man, one, one person control how everybody could buy. Everybody, there's no way. That's impossible. It was 100 years ago. That was maybe 50 years ago. But that's not when we're living, amen. We're living today. And when I read my Bible, I know exactly how one man can control the whole system. Right? How's he going to control the whole system? Through the banking community. We have a cashless society. We're going to cashless. They want you to use a credit card. They want to be able to control an account where you have no control over it. You just, you go, y'all been to Walmart, amen? You realize that if, if Walmart's computers went down, you couldn't buy nothing. You realize that, right? I've been in Walmart when the computers went down. There'd be lines of people everywhere. And the people come, we can't, we can't, the, the cash registers are down, the computer's down. We can't sell you anything. Well, I got cash right here. Sorry. I can't get into my cash. I, I can't do it. They won't let me. I can't, why? I can't scan it. 
So, you know, 30, 40 years ago, they started coming up with barcodes, amen? So preachers, and they were right for doing this, they started looking into this, and they said, okay, if there's a mark, it must be a barcode they're putting on your right hand or in your forehead, so when you go through the cashier line, you go through the cash register, you'd, like you scan groceries, you would take your hand and you would scan it across that barcode, that barcode would scan, and then they'd have all your information on the computer, how much you have in a bank account, how much, you know, and they said, but it must be a barcode. That's a good idea, amen? That sounds, that's how a person could do it. Tattoo a barcode. That's not what the Bible said, see. Look back at verse 16. He causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. It don't say on. It says in. I-N. You see that? So, my friend, <laughs> we're living in 2017, and you know exactly where I'm about to go with this. Now they've got these little microchips. It's about the size of a grain of rice, and they're placing them under little kids. They can place them in your kid's hand, or especially in your dogs. They're doing it with dogs right now. And that little microchip, they can scan that. It's underneath the skin, and it tells them everything about where that dog belongs, who that dog belongs to, the history of that dog, and they want to do that with your child. They want to put that in every little child's hand so they can say, okay, that cat, kid's social security number is this, it's blood type's this, it's allergic to penicillin, this kid, and this kid belongs to so-and-so. See, and that sounds like a good thing, but that's how you're going to control everybody. And 2,000 years ago, the Bible didn't say on their right hand or on their forehead. The Bible said I in. That should scare you. <laughs> it shouldn't scare you if you're a Christian in the sense of this. This book is God's word. And I don't care if you believe it. I could care less. You can take this thing and burn it. It's never going to go away. You can take this thing, you can destroy it, you can ignore it. It's controlling what's happening in the world. Amen. And as long as I have breath in my, in my body, I'm going to believe this book. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know, a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now, you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.